couple of different things. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about first loves. We're going to talk about self-discipline, and we're going to talk about distractions. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to dive into Samson's life, and that's Judges chapter 13, if you want to get your Bibles ready. We're going to talk about how Samson came to be, what God's plan was for him, and how his relationships, and that's what this is all about, relationships, how these relationships are kind of mixed up a little bit, and how his compass really didn't point straight north. Okay, so we're going to be in Judges chapter 13, and uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump right into the scripture. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, we're going to cover some things here this morning, some things that we need to know. You will show us today what it is from Samson's life that maybe mirrors our own. You'll show us today some things on Delilah's life that maybe, Lord, we need to watch out for. But regardless of what you show us today, Lord, show us the way. Show us how we can apply this to our lives when we walk through those doors. We ask this in your most holy name. Amen. <clears throat> Judges chapter 13, verse 2. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said to her, Behold, thou art barren, and thou bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor should come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This Hebrew term for Nazarite that's written here is the word Nazir. And the word Nazir means to separate. And number six will give us the prescription of how a Nazarite should act, how a Nazarite should be. So a couple of, of the distinguishing features of this vow. The first one was they abstained from anything related to grapes or alcohol. That's alcohol, that's juice, that's vinegar. All of those types of drink they're supposed to separate from. Refraining from cutting one's hair and avoiding dead people or dead bodies, even if it's family members. These are the three things that a Nazarite vow, a uh, person taking that, should do. Now, don't mix this up. <clears throat> it's not a Nazarite vow because they're from Nazareth. That's something completely different. That's a town. This has nothing to do with Jesus being a Nazarite, being, coming from Nazareth. This is a specific promise that's made to God. And the text in Numbers chapter 6 will uh, goes on to how you're released from the vow. Wait a minute. You're released from the vow? Wait, I didn't read that anywhere. You're a Nazarite. That means you can't cut your hair and all that stuff. I mean, that's forever, right? No, it's not. It's actually for a time. 
It is a time set up separated between you and God to get work done. There is a time to do things. And then after that time has passed, they will then complete the Nazarite vow and go back to a different uh, form of living. Okay? So, Numbers chapter 6 will show us this. So, grab your Bibles, hard left turn, keep your finger in Judges because we're going to go back there very shortly. Numbers chapter 6. As we look at Numbers chapter 6, I want you to take a look at verse 13 for me. Now this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are, what does your Bible say? Fulfilled. When the days of separation are completed, the time that was allotted for you to come away and be separate When it is complete, then he shall be brought to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Skip down to verse 18, and then we'll we'll show you. Then the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then shall take the hair from the consecrated head and put it on the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. Sometimes our role in our ministry and the thing that we're doing is temporary. I don't want to sign up for this whole Christian thing because it's, kind of, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff to do. Look, the, the role as a Christian is not temporary, but the thing that you're feeling right now, this overwhelming thing, it's temporary. You will learn to understand it better the more you're exposed to it. This whole thing, I don't want to teach, you know, the two-year-old class forever. Ah! Yeah, it's, it's temporary. God will put that spirit upon you and have you do that temporarily. <clears throat> when the vow is fulfilled, he will reveal to you when it's time. Guys, we have a tough time understanding when God's trying to reveal to us that it's time. Sometimes our wives need to poke us and say, look, you're not 20 years old anymore. You cannot pick up that TV and move it. Yes, I can. You don't know. I've been reading all about Samson. Sometimes we need people to help us understand when we need to separate, when that consecration is done. Does that mean you're all done? You don't have to teach this two-year-old class anymore. Done. So now I can just go back to living my life. No. That's not it. You're, you come away for a time, and it prepare you, prepares you for the next thing. Because there's always a next thing. I mean, how dumb would it be if you're trying to get from here to there, and you take these steps, and then you're finally, I'm done. You've not gotten to where you're going yet. You've just started your journey. You may not walk that same path, but look, you still need to get over there. God will show you how to get there. It just You may need to take a little bit of time and go this way. And now I'm back on this path and go. This, from, from uh, this book, we can understand this temporary um, 
sacrifice. Anybody here ever make a sacrifice for their family? Anybody here ever make a sacrifice for ministry? I'm not talking about making a sacrifice like burning something on an altar. I'm talking about the fact that you could have done this or been this or, or bought this, but instead, I did this. I made a sacrifice for my family. All the mothers in here are like, amen. I make a sacrifice all the time. I mean, just look at me. I'm totally sacrificed for my family, right? All the things that we go through. We make sacrifices. Christian, your sacrifice is just temporary. You're not going to feel this way forever. You're not going to go through this situation forever. The sacrifice is temporary. But Samson's wasn't temporary. His whole job was to protect Israel from the Philistines. He was a Nazarite from birth. He was to remain a Nazarite. He's to protect. He's never done. And his first love was God. And not in timing. Not that was the first thing he loved. But in priority. God should come first in his life. And you see, his perception gets a little warped. Glad that doesn't happen to us. It happens to us all the time. You know, we, we constantly, we're, we're walking the right path now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this Christian thing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep walking forward. And then something shiny over here. Oh, look, shiny. And we turn. This happens all the time. His first love was God. And we often fail, as Samson will, just as Ephesus had. Do you remember as we went through uh, Revelation with Pastor Dave? Revelation uh, chapter 2. It, uh, it looks like this. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against the Ephesus, church at Ephesus, because you have what? Left your first love. Yeah. You've left the thing that should be the priority in your life, and you've turned towards something else. Yeah. That is exactly what's going to happen here to Samson. So you know the story. Samson lost his powers because his hair was cut, right? Or was it? Or was that why? There was three rules. You remember the rules? First of all, don't drink alcohol. Things from the grape, right? Don't touch anything dead. Don't get a haircut. Three things. He broke these not by accident, but because he didn't have self-control. So let's go back to Judges, this time chapter 14, and let's go down through this. See how far we can get before time runs out on us. Are you guys having a good time? Yeah. I hope that this is something that you'll see and you'll go, whoa, I never saw that. Wow. I, I can use this in my life. That is what Sunday school is for. Okay, Judges 14.5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath. And he came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And, now look at your Bible. This is very important. What does it say? And 
the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. It said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. This is a theme. This is a theme you're going to see. Because, does, does anybody ever play Mario Brothers before? Anybody know what that is? That's an old-time game, right? The little guy who runs across the screen, if he hits a star, if he, if he hits a, a box and a little star comes out and he touches a star, what happens to him? Who knows? Invincible. He goes, do, 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 and he runs, and anything that comes against him, what happens? It gets smashed to pieces. It dies. Now, he's, he's, he's got the star power, you know, and he's running along, and all the, so all the time, it's playing that song, do, 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 and then what happens? What do you mean it stops? He got the star. You mean it doesn't last forever? You see, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the hand of God, came upon a person for a short time. And it gave them power to do the will of God. But it didn't always stay there. It's different for us. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, because we can accept his sacrifice, that power comes upon us in the form of the Holy Spirit, and it stays. But for Samson, every time he did something amazing, the star touched him. You saw the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he took this lion, and it said it rent it like a goat. I've never rented a goat. I looked into lease with option to buy. <laughs> what it's talking about is he picked this lion up, and he went, and split it in half. That's what he did. And he, and he threw this lion down. It's important to understand how this power comes upon him. Okay, let's see what else the, the Bible says. I love reading the Bible. Verse 7. And he went down and he talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. So he's talking to this lady. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. You remember the lion that he killed? And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands, and he went on eating, and he came to his father and his mother, and he gave to them too, and they ate. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. What is one of the rules for the Nazarite vow? Don't touch anything dead. What does he do? He kills it, comes back, sees a little honey, puts his hand right in there, eats some, brings it home to mom and dad. Hey, look what I got, and they ate. You see, sin is pleasurable for a season. And sometimes we feel better about ourselves when we can share that sin with someone else. When we can invite someone else into the sin, it helps, uh, helps us feel that it's maybe not as bad, right? It's not as bad because mom and dad are doing it too now. Strike one. But it wasn't a person, right? That, that verse in, in Numbers basically talked about a dead body, which is really a person. 
So maybe that wasn't really strike one. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Skip down to verse 19 then. What's verse 19? Well, let me back up just a quick second before we hit verse 19. He takes this lady, and he's going to get married, okay? She's not a Christian woman, but she's very pretty. Samson has a thing for pretty ladies. And he's going to marry this lady, and they're at this wedding, and there is the whole piece about the riddle. He says about this riddle, trying to get them to understand, uh, you know, where the sweet thing comes from a, a dead animal. He knew what it was. Nobody else would. No one would get it. Verse 19 um, picks up just after his, his lady friend, his to-be wife, pulled the information out of him and gave it to her friends. She really turned her back upon him. And so his, his job now is he's got to pay 30 uh, 30 uh, different parts of garments to them. So verse 19, what's it say? And the... Oh, do you see it? Can you hear it? When you read this, you should be thinking... Right? And he went down to Ashkelon, and he slew 30 men of them, and he took their spoil. He took their clothes. And he gave the change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. He killed these men and then did what? He took their clothes. What's he not allowed to touch? There you go. So if you had a problem with a lion, it's a lion, not a person. This is people. And he took their clothes off the dead bodies. Strike one. Absolutely. Okay? There are so few rules he had to keep. But he's not doing such a hot job. At the same wedding feast in verse 10, there was much wine and much drinking. And he would have partaken in that wine, in that drink. Even though it's not specifically spelled out in Scripture, it says that he was part of the feast as was the custom of the men of the day. And that's how they did things. Strike two. But his hair was cut. Strike three. And God's spirit was removed. It was not the keeping the vow that separated God and Samson. But rather it was his emotions that did it. I am a big fan of Star Trek, anything space like that I really like. I'm kind of a nerd that way. And uh, in Star Trek, there are uh, some people, Spock for one, and Data for another. They talk a lot about emotions. One's very emotionless. Another one wants emotions so bad, but they don't know how to handle them or control them. And so our emotions really get us in a lot of trouble. Even if our heart and our head our heart and our head say that we should do this, our emotions will pull us away. Happens all the time. Wouldn't it be great if we could get rid of emotion? Oh, it would be nice. Captain, I believe I am feeling anxiety. It is an intriguing sensation. 
a most distracting. Daddy, I'm sure it's a fascinating experience, but perhaps you should deactivate your emotion chip for now. Good idea, sir. Turn off Done. those emotions. Data, there are times that I envy you. Is it the right hands, my logical friend? Are you by any chance in favor of these experiments? Gentlemen, gentlemen, this isn't... Really, Dr. McCoy, you must learn to govern your passions. They will be your undoing. Logic suggests... Logic. I think he could say that to Samson. Samson, you must learn to govern your passions. They will be your undoing. It's going to happen that way. But emotions can get us in trouble. So we have to be very careful with our emotions. Have you ever been hurt so bad that you just don't want to feel anymore? That you just want to stop? That you just want to get away from everything? It leads you into a point of depression where you don't want any of this? Yeah, we can experience that. We can experience wanting no emotions. I cannot continue with this investigation. I wish to be deactivated until Dr. Crusher can remove the emotion chip. Are you having some kind of malfunction? No, sir. I simply do not have the ability to control these emotions. Dad, I, I have nothing but sympathy for what you are feeling. But right now, I need you to... Sir, I no longer want these emotions. Deactivating me is the only viable solution. Part of having feelings is learning to integrate them into your life, Data. Learning to live with them. No matter Sir, what the circumstances, you will not be deactivated. Part of being human, made in God's image, is living with emotions. You will not be deactivated, he said. You can't get rid of your emotions. They're part of you. What you need to learn to do is mirror your emotions with God's will for your life. If they are aligned, oh, your emotion can be powerful. It can get you excited about the Bible. It could have you console someone who's hurting. But when they're not aligned, you can be like Samson. You can be like Delilah. Let's take a look at Judges chapter 16. See, it was the Philistine girl's emotions, her emotional manipulation of Samson that got the, the solution to the riddle. We're going to see Delilah's manipulation here. Verse 4 of Judges 16 says, And it came to pass afterwards that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now some time must have passed here between him seeing her and till we get to the next couple of verses. Because it says he loved her. It didn't say that he saw her and he thought, Woohoo! No. He actually fell in love with her. So there must have been some conversation. There must have, there must have been some closeness, some sharing, some openness. And then as they started this relationship, which seemed to be okay after verse 4, till we hit verse 5. And the lords of the Philistines came to her, and he said to her, Entice him. And what does your Bible say? 
and see wherein his great strength lieth. Now, I, this is, is where I have a hard time understanding the Bible sometimes. Why do these Philistines not know where his strength comes from? I mean, we're talking about Samson. Samson's a big dude. He's built like Ron. Muscles everywhere. Right? Does it say that in the Bible? Look, if I was really ripped, I mean more than what I am, if I was really ripped, Ted would look at me and he would say, that guy's pretty buff. He can he could lift some heavy stuff, just not TVs. Okay? He could do some things. You would have an idea of my strength, right? You look at these big strong guys that are walking around going, I wouldn't want to mess with that guy. But they're not saying that. They're going, where does this strength come from? I mean, have you ever seen a little, like, 12-year-old beanpole of a kid whose arms and legs are the same length? You know what I'm talking about? Real skinny little dude. That's probably more accurate to Samson. How can he do these things? How is he so strong? We don't get it. What's his secret? There wouldn't be a secret if he was this big, strong man. Look, every single uh, Bible school book you get, every Sunday school book you get, every movie you put on TV has the dude looking like Hercules or Atlas or whatever, and he'd probably look more like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> you look at him and go, how could he do these things? You and I both know how he could do these things, but they don't get it, right? Yeah, that's it. They're trying to find out where his great strength lied. And by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we'll give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. If she would have led off her relationship with this, I think some red flags would have went off. Hi, I'm Samson. Nice to meet you. Hey, tell me how to defeat you. I think I'm going to find a girlfriend someplace else. No, there was, a, there was a relationship there. His emotions were involved. Be careful when you become emotionally involved. It's an investment. He did not invest his emotions wisely. And she chose money over love. Let's look at verse 15. And she said to him, How can you say that you love me when your heart is not with me? How can you say you love me if you don't trust me? You have mocked me three times and not told me your great strength. Look, he is not trusting her, right? Because something's up. He, he hears this little little voice in the back of his head saying something's not right but he loves her but he doesn't trust her right you see love without trust is just lust and that is not good for anyone lust is not love it's 100% emotional and it says and it came to pass when she pressed him Daily. You see that in your Bible? She pressed him 
daily, that's verse 16, with her words, and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. She kept over and over and over, pressing him day in, day out, day in, day out, and he couldn't take it any more. That verse 17, it says that he told her all his heart. He bared it all. He let it all out for her. The enemy knows what will bring you down. And he will repeatedly do it. You feel like you just you can't get ahead. Every time I get ahead, something knocks me back down. I don't understand why this keeps happening over and over and over. Hey, hey, guess what? I just showed you. Over and over and over, it's going to happen. He bears his heart to her. And he says to her, There has not been a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I'll become weak like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, when he was at his most vulnerable, his truthfulness, he's trying to get to love instead of lust. And he bears the truth to her. He had sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. Manipulation cannot happen without an emotional investment. So be careful about your investments. You guys all worry about your retirements. You guys all worry about your 401ks and your stocks, about what that's invested in. You must also be very cautious about you investing your emotions in people, investing your time in people. And self-discipline is the key to relationship success. Keep God first above all. And listen to wise counsel. What would you have told Samson if he came to you and said, hey, I, I've got to talk to you about this girl. She constantly, and just lays it out. What would you have said? Run. Yeah, run, get away. Well, you got it bad. You're not even seeing how she's manipulating you. There are people out there that still do that today. They will do this. So being sober-minded and watchful is a good habit to practice because the enemy will always send Delilah's into your life. Always. Especially when you least suspect it. And Delilah's can be anything. It could be men. It could be women. It could be a wrong job opportunity. It could be a bad choice. Anything that distracts you from God's good and perfect will for your life is a Delilah. But I want you to see how far she went. What she actually did, and, uh, sorry, Amy, can you come here for a second? Sorry, you just got long hair. I want to, I want to, to show the people this. It said that she made, she made him sleep on her knees. So what she actually did is she sat down and she put her, her, his head on her knees. And he was probably doing something kind of like a this thing, right? Oh, good, Amy, right? 
And while he's doing, while she's doing this, she's falling asleep. You're not falling asleep, are you? Okay. While she's, while she's doing this, someone else comes in from behind. All he can feel is this touching, and he's going like that. Yeah. Boy, you don't, you don't know how much I've thought about this. Yeah, if my back wasn't out, thank you, Amy. But that's it. So she knew how to set it up so that he would have no idea what was going to happen until it happened. And after it happened, she said, Hey, the Philistines are upon you. Get up and fight. And he got up just like every other time. And he walked out. And he said, dee, 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 dee. Like, That's what he thought he was going to do. But his was, dee, 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 dee. Yeah. No power. No strength. No hand of God. Upon, well, that looks good. No hand upon you. Don't let that be you. Don't let yourself get so emotionally invested in the wrong thing, only to be hurt to a point where you can't see God anymore. God's hand will not move upon you. The scripture says, who can take me out of God's hand? Nobody. Nobody can do that. But please be careful. When you think about these relationships, what we can take from Samson and Delilah is, he was motivated by emotions only and had no regard for spiritual things. And when you don't have trust with your love, it becomes lust. And we lust after many things in our lives. It's not just a physical, sexual thing. It can be different things that we want. We lust after a different job position only to realize, yeah, that job that you want so bad, you're going to have so much money, it's going to be great, but you're going to be on the road all the time and not see your family, and you're going to separate and drift apart. All of these things have consequences, but if you stay true and keep Christ as number one in your life, the way Samson didn't, you'll be able to withstand those things you and I look at this and when they say things like she pressed them over and over you're like why didn't he say enough crazy woman I'm not going to tell you maybe we need to do that in our lives Mike don't do that in your life let's pray God thank you so much for this lesson Lord, thank you that you love us so much that you give us a picture of how someone could be a mighty man of God and still make mistakes. Because guess what? I consider myself a man of God, and I still make mistakes. But Lord, you don't move your hand from upon me. You lift me up. You build me up. You help me to learn and help me to walk forward. I ask you to do that for this congregation, these believers that are here today. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said,